Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this September. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of What the Bump. Today you have me alone, but it's going to be a good podcast. We are going to be talking about unmedicated pain relief options. So, you know, you always, obviously, whenever somebody goes to give birth, they think like, do I want an epidural or do I not? I think that that is a big part, mainly, honestly, the main part whenever somebody makes a birth plan or when they just even envision their birth, aside from obviously like where you're going to birth and everything like that. But It's a big question. People want to know, you know, should I go on medicated? Should I get an epidural? And so we're going to talk about what some of your options are if you choose to go on medicated. And, you know, I'm really going to dive into mainly five unmedicated pain relief options. And I'm also going to touch on a couple other ones in the end. Um, But yes, let's just jump right in. And a lot of these Um, My main source, honestly, that I used for this entire podcast was this article by NCBI. So I will definitely link that and anything else that I used in the show notes for this podcast. But first option when it comes to unmedicated pain relief is going to be water immersion or hydrotherapy. You know, also some people just think of it as like a water birth or laboring in the water, laboring in the tub. Um, whatever it may be for you. So there's a little bit of a difference here. When we talk about water immersion, we're just talking about laboring in the tub, not delivering in the tub um, or in the water, whether it be a lake, a tub, I don't know, that's your choice. (laughs) But, and then when we talk about water birth, we're of course talking about actually birthing in the water. So water therapy has been used obviously for years and years and years, decades, hundreds of years to soothe things like muscle aches, sore muscles, joints, to ease menstrual cramps and for general relaxation. So it's like, you know, if you have athletes who are super sore, sometimes they'll do those where they dunk themselves in cold water. Or if you, even on the other side of that, if you're super sore, some people will take a warm bath. Um, People who have arthritis and things like that, they might take a warm bath to kind of ease up those joints. When you're on your period, a warm bath is great for menstrual cramps as well, of course. So the warmth of the water is really known to just relax those muscles. Obviously, water is going to make you kind of buoyant. So water makes you float. It takes that weight off of your body. That's why it's great for joints. That's why it is great when you're in labor because it takes that pressure and that weight off of your body. This relieves pressure on your pelvis very much so during labor. Water therapy can be used throughout labor when we're talking about using it actually during labor and not birthing in it, but you can use it in really any stage of labor. Some people in the beginning will get in a hot shower to see if their labor kind of stalls out or stops. And then of course, all the way to the end of labor, you know, once people hit transition, sometimes they will wait to get into the tub until then they will get in the tub, you know, go through transition, go through the end of their labor, and then actually also birth in the tub. So as far as research behind water therapy, in 2009, Cochrane researchers combined evidence from 11 different randomized controlled trials on water immersion during labor, and they found that people who actually used water immersion during labor, so again, we're not talking about birthing in the water, just getting in the water during labor, they were less likely to need epidurals and spinals for pain relief. And of course, I'll link that um, article as well. Another research study was in 2015. This was done by researchers in China who randomly assigned 60 people to having water births. So we're talking about birthing in the tub now. And then 60 people to having land birth, which is just birth 
anywhere outside of the water, obviously. Everybody gave birth in their assigned group, so all 60 stuck to whatever they were assigned. In this study, just like the previous one, the people who got in the water actually had lower pain scores, and only 3% of people in the water birth group were rated as having degree 3 pain or more, which was, I guess, just described as moderate pain or, yeah, moderate pain. I don't really know exactly what degree 3 pain is, but... Um, versus 23% in the land group who described as were described as having degree three pain. Vaginal tearing was also definitely reduced, they found, in the group of people, the 60, who gave birth in the water. So it's definitely no secret that getting in the water during your labor or even to have a water birth is associated with somewhat of a shorter labor, decreased needs for an epidural, decreased tearing as well. And you know, sadly, this isn't offered in many U.S. hospitals. I mean, the hospital I work at, we do not do water birth at all. Um, we do do like hydrotherapy or water immersion during labor. So as long as you are fit, you know, certain criteria of being low risk or whatever it may be, we we will allow you in the tub to labor and things like that. It is a small like hospital, typical, you know, bathtub. It's nothing glorious or glamorous or like a big birthing pool or anything like that. So Honestly, this is something that I would love, love, love to see change in hospitals across the United States is just offering more more water birth. I think that, you know, it's just it's an area that hasn't been navigated much yet because of the fears. You know, doctors have fears and midwives and any healthcare provider, even labor and delivery nurses, have fears that if we let a woman in the water, you know, too close to birth or or in general that they're gonna birth in there. And when you're not given special training on how to actually catch a baby in the water, might be a little frightening to a lot of people. So this is definitely somewhere or something that we have a long, long way to go in. But honestly, water therapy is like people say it's like nature's epidural. It's amazing what it can do and how it can just change people. I've seen it with tons of moms who want to go on medicated and, you know, they're thinking about giving up. And, I, you know, we always say, let's just get in the tub. Well, not always, but I, when when we can and when they're interested in that, I always say, like, let's just get in the tub for 30 minutes and we'll see how you feel. And it's amazing, honestly. Like, you sometimes cannot get people out of there because it feels so good compared to standing up and laboring, you know, on land. And when I did look on ACOG's website, they did have like a little excerpt about how, um, you know, how water birth is beneficial or or at least how water immersion is beneficial as far as pain relief, but how there's not enough data and evidence available so that they are still recommending that all mother's birth occurs on land and not in water. And if you know anything about, you know, the governing agencies of the OB practices and things like that, you know, ACOG is a huge um, – body of the American College of Obstetricians obviously we follow them so or obstetricians and gynecology um what they recommend is is take it taken very heavily so if they're saying that all women are they recommend that woman birth on land unfortunately you know until that truly changes and we have more evidence and more research behind this it's going to be a little while before hospitals and other things like that start adopting this practice but that's one of the amazing things if maybe you know you don't want to birth at home in a tub maybe that's not your thing that's an amazing thing about a birth center because almost every I mean I've never heard of a birth center who that does not have at least tubs to labor in so if that is something that you're interested in you definitely could try to reach out to a local birth center and ask them you know what they have available as far as water birth options Next up for unmedicated pain relief options is going to be counterpressure and massage. This, of course, is very, very popular when it comes to having a birth without an epidural. 
Counter pressure and massage are great in alleviating back pain. It can also help you distract you from your contractions. And when I'm saying talking about counter pressure, you know, it can be really anywhere. So it doesn't have to be just on the back. You have counter pressure when you obviously like, you know, put the the heel of your hand or a lacrosse ball or a tennis ball or whatever it may be into the lower back when somebody's having a contraction. That can be amazing. You have more like hip squeezes. Um, some people will do the the knee pushing. Counter pressure can look really different depending on, you know, the laboring person and where they're feeling the pain, where they're feeling the pressure and what feels best to them. I had some women who love the hip squeeze and love, you know, the counter pressure on their lower back and then other women who absolutely hate it and they want something completely different done. So the main goal of counter pressure is to alleviate the pain wherever it may be if you can and then help distract the person, the birthing person from contractions. So um, one study was used to determine the effect of acupressure on labor pain during the first stage of labor and a total of 127 women were randomly assigned into three groups. Each group received one of the following treatments, either the pressure, light skin stroking, or no treatment. And they did find that there was a significant difference in labor pain in the first group compared to the other two. And the first group was the group that received the pressure. There was another study um, done by Lee and E.T. All, and they evaluated the effects of pressure on labor pain. There was only 75 women in this group. They were randomly assigned to either pressure or to touch touch control. I don't know exactly what that means, honestly, but we're going to call it pressure or touch. Um, they were, the group was double blinded in this method. Labor pain was measured four times throughout their labor. And they did also find a significant difference between the groups in overall pain scores of their labor. The total labor time was significantly shorter also in the group that received the pressure intervention than the control group. And I found that really interesting that the group that was actually receiving the pressure and getting more pain alleviation had significantly shorter labors. And, you know, it doesn't go into exactly why they think that that was, but a lot of it, I'm sure, is just, you know, when you're experiencing less pain, your body is less tense and you're able to relax. And if, you know, so much of labor is about you being able to relax. Your uterus is a muscle. You need your cervix to open and dilate. And if you are tense and tight and in pain and, you know, have a lot of fear, it's harder for those muscles to work for that cervix to open and to dilate. So, you know, I personally, when I read that, I correlated it to probably them experiencing less pain, but that's a little bit subjective. Last, there was a randomized control study by Chang. 60 women were assigned to either experimental or a control group. The experimental group received massage that comprised of sacral pressure and shoulder and back needing during labor. In the massage group, the women received a 30-minute massage during every contraction, first by the researchers and then just by the partner after they were shown how to do it. This happened throughout all three phases of labor, and the massage group reported significantly lower pain reactions in all three phases of labor. So that is really the research and evidence behind counterpressure and massage. Like I said, it can look really different depending on what the birthing person wants. This is a great thing about a birthing class if you and your partner want to take one or even just hiring a doula because a birthing class will hopefully show you a lot of the different tools and ways and locations that you can do counterpressure and massage. And then of course a doula is actually going to be there hands-on to help give you and administer this counter pressure and massage and touch and then they are also there of course not to take the place of your partner but to guide your partner in doing these things so i'm sure you could honestly youtube like labor counter pressure labor massage things like that and just like have your partner watch them um if this is something that you're interested in i'm telling you right now that counter pressure is so needed during an unmedicated birth 
I'm sure you could probably do it without. I'm sure that there are plenty of women out there who have labored and not had a partner there to give them counter pressure and massage. But oh my goodness, does it make a difference? Does it relieve so much pressure from these contractions that you might be feeling? So I highly recommend that you do some research and just learn about the different ways to do counter pressure during labor because it truly is an amazing tool. And the best part about it is it's free and cheap. That's actually the best part about almost all of these things is, you know, they're free and cheap. All you need is a set of hands. Like you don't even need a lacrosse ball to do counter pressure. You don't need a fancy bathtub to do water therapy. You need, you know, water, which is available to most of us at all times. And then for counter pressure, you just need a set of hands. So definitely think that counter pressure is such an amazing thing and is very needed. Next up, we're going to talk about hypnobirthing slash meditation. I kind of grouped these together. Honestly, I was going to do them separately, but to me, they are a lot alike and some people might disagree with me, but I'm going to talk about hypnobirthing and meditation kind of as one. And of course, the goal of hypnobirthing and meditation is to help expectant mothers deal with the fears and anxieties surrounding birth. Hypnobirthing is going to involve more of self-hypnosis into like a deep relaxation state. And then meditation is just going to take your mind, you know, off of the fears of labor and also help your mind get into a different state of relaxation. So the word hypnosis actually is Greek and the hypnos part means sleep. So you're not sleeping necessarily, but it is a state of focus and concentration, which you are unaware of the pain or the contractions that you're feeling or at least more accepting of them and don't have fear around them you're not completely blind you're not just sleeping but it is definitely when you see somebody do hypnobirthing it they are in a different state it's very interesting and it's very beautiful honestly um but can be kind of more difficult to learn and you know personally i'll tell you guys right now since i'm talking about hypnobirthing i am not a hypnobirther i really do not know anything about hypnobirthing like other than surface level things I would love to learn if anybody is specialized in it please come on my podcast and teach us about it but um I am very type a I'm very much so just like it's just what works for me honestly I don't think hypnobirthing would work for me I'm not good at surrendering that control I'm more good at coping by thinking through things and yeah I don't know. Anyways, um, so during hypnobirthing, it allows suggestions to be made that focus on, like I said, diminishing awareness of pain, fear, and anxiety. Um, there was a study in 1962 that compared 70 patients who had six lessons of hypnosis with 70 who received another type of training. They called it Dick Reed's training. And then 71 other patients, so there are three groups, who had no special training as far as hypnosis or meditation. Um, the study was not randomized. The people in obviously got to choose their group and they got to know what group they were in and what they were learning. And there was a significant reduction in the duration of the first stage of labor in the group that was doing the hypnosis as compared with the other two groups. Hypnosis was effective completely in labor pain for about 60% of this group who required no analgesics. Whereas in the control group, so the group that received no hypnosis, the group that did not receive any analgesics was actually 1.4%. So that's very different. 59% of the women who went through the hypnosis went unmedicated with their entire birth and only 1.4% in the control group went unmedicated with their birth. So there is so much evidence to back hypnobirthing, honestly. And part of me almost doesn't do it. I think maybe because I'm lazy, I'll be honest with you. It seems like a lot to learn and a lot to train my mind around. And I could be totally wrong, but I don't really know. Um, there was another study in 1990 by Harmon 
And it was a randomized control study, and this showed that there was just much shorter labor stages, less medications, and higher pain thresholds in groups who practiced practiced hypnosis versus a group that was a control group and did not practice hypnosis. So hypnosis, like I said, is an amazing thing. I think every, in some way, you know, every woman who goes through birth, whether it's medicated or unmedicated, does some form of meditation. Like you definitely are taking your mind somewhere else. You definitely are trying to not focus on the pain, obviously, and focus on different things, whether it be imagining your baby coming down and out, whether it be, you know, just envisioning your contractions as waves of power and energy coming to you. I think in every way, whether it be music and, and you know, a great playlist. I do have a Christian hypnobirthing app that I actually listen to throughout my pregnancy all the time. And I'm hoping that that, you know, helps me during labor as well. But I think to some degree, we all do some sort of meditation. And it really is amazing. So even if hypnobirthing isn't, you know, your thing or or you don't, you're not interested in doing hypnobirthing, I would highly recommend to at least practice some form of meditation. And for me, the biggest one is prayer. Like prayer, you know, I don't, prayer is not meditation, but in a way it is me taking my mind somewhere else and focusing on something bigger than me, um, which is God for me. And so, you know, some form of, of mental, I don't even know how to describe it. Not like mental distraction, but like some form of mental inner coping definitely needs to be present because I've said this before and I'll always say it is having an unmedicated birth is so much more a mental state and about your mindset than it is physically. It's not about, you know, how tough you are and how much pain you can tolerate. It's about, it's 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 all mental. Pain is mental. Like it's like, can, can I get through this? How bad do I want this? And when it comes down to it, that really is what it is. And I think that that's why you see so crazy high rates of successful unmedicated birth. And I'm not saying that if you don't have an unmedicated birth, you're a failure. But people who want to have unmedicated births, that's why you see so many of them achieve it by using hypnobirthing. Um, and, you know, as far as negative side effects of hypnobirthing, there's very few reported. Um, it's, again, low intervention, low risk, low cost, free essentially. You might just have to like probably could find a free online course, YouTube video, or a book. But some people do report mild nausea, headaches, um, and dizziness when they do hypnobirthing. And I'm not exactly sure. A lot of in this article that I read, it said that usually it was associated with somebody struggling to be dehypnotized. That's the part that kind of starts to freak me out. But anyways, of course, I will link the article that I used for hypnobirthing. And number four, our fourth unmedicated pain option relief is a TENS unit. So a TENS unit is a device made to inhibit pain signals as they travel towards the brain. This is drug-free. This is, again, really cheap. This is probably the most costly one he's talked about. I think they cost like $30 online, but they are a handheld portable device that's connected to electrodes that you place wherever you want on your body, you know, your lower back, your shoulders, your upper back, wherever you want it to be placed. And then you connect those electrodes to the unit and through the electrodes, a mild electrical pulse, mild or as strong as you want it to be, is sent through the skin and to the body and then to the person's spinal cord and up into their brain. And like I said, it is meant to inhibit pain signals as they travel towards your brain. So it's low voltage electrical stimuli through the flat electrodes that are stuck directly on your skin. Um, I do have a TENS unit. I think I bought it off of Amazon. I think it was about $30. Um, and it... The best way for me to describe it is have you ever, and I know you guys can't answer me, but um, when you were younger, you used to have like those trick packs of gum, you know, and you'd like act like you were offering somebody a piece of gum and they'd go to pull the gum out and it would shock them or electrocute them. That's almost like what a TENS unit feels up feels like. Honestly, that's like the more higher end of a TENS unit, I feel like. But 
like I said, you can totally control the range. So you can make it as, you know, dull of a stimulus as you want or as strong as a stimulus as you want. And it definitely can correlate with labor nicely because you can start to crank that baby up as those contractions really start coming. So a study in 1977 by Augustinson, um, found that 147 women were involved in the study. 44% of them rated the pain relief as very good or good with using the TENS unit, and then another 44% related it as moderate pain relief. There was another study, Bunsen, Bunsen, and their study found the TENS unit to be beneficial for labor pain localized in the back. There was also a meta-analysis by Carroll of 10 randomized controlled trials with over 870 women in them. 436 received the TENS unit, and then 411 were considered the control group, um, so about 50-50. And they actually found no significant difference in the pain relief Um when they used the TENS unit and the use of additional analgesics intervention was also not so probably more so like epidurals or IV pain medicine they did not find a significant difference like less um in the TENS unit group so you know I think the TENS unit is probably the one that has the least amount of evidence backing it um, but it's, it, the, the tension is the most subjective one too. I feel like, you know, either you like it and it does help and it does relieve, relieve the pain and stop the pain signals, or it really just doesn't work for you and it almost just adds to the pain. Um, lastly, there's a study in PubMed that I found 104 women and 70% of them considered the tens unit to be beneficial for pain relief. They, they said that they actually did find that it reduced the duration of the first stage of labor for first time moms. And then. For second-time moms, it re- it reduced the amount of pain medicine that was administered to them. They did not find a difference in, you know, fetal heart rate tracing, APGAR scores, cord blood pH, or anything like that. So they did not find any negative effects on the baby when using the TENS unit. Also, you guys, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm on week two of some cold virus something or another. So why I sound so stuffy, nasally, congested, and not like myself. That's why. Anyways, back to the TENS unit. Um, I personally like a TENS unit. I think that they are cool. I think that they're interesting. I think that, you know, for $30, it's definitely worth a shot for you to buy one and try it during your labor. I will totally report back via my Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT after I use a TENS unit in my labor because I will be using it in my labor coming up this September or... um. October who knows when she will arrive but um, I'm really interested honestly because like I said the evidence is really wavering there you know some people say that it doesn't do anything and 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 some studies say that it does nothing and that it does not provide adequate pain relief and that people still get epidurals and just as much um, intervention as far as pain wise and then you know other women swear by them and love tens units during labor so I will definitely report back like I said $30 easy to use kind of nice because it's like hands-free for your partner you know if they need a break maybe you can put the TENS unit on for a little bit and that can help you get through a good amount of um a few contractions but definitely worth a shot and then number five the last one that we're going to dive deep into is breathing techniques this is a definite unmedicated pain relief option and extremely needed I have heard so many people prepare 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 for an unmedicated birth and in the end they come out saying wow I did not realize how badly I wish I needed a breathing technique I wish I had already set up a breathing pattern to establish myself to distract myself and to focus on during my contractions and I didn't and I really needed that so I think that this is something that's really overlooked and guess what it's probably the cheapest the freest the easiest the quickest and all those things so 
of course, obviously a breathing technique is just breathing slowly, breathing steadily, and establishing a pattern to that. And labor, this helps you focus, this helps you stay calm, and it can honestly really distract your mind because instead of focusing on the contractions, you focus on your breasts, and before you know it, that contraction is over, and you take it one contraction at a time. So um, breathing was first brought into focus by LeMay's in the 1960s. LeMay's taught women how to use strict controlled breathing patterns to cope with their labor sensations and labor pains. Focusing on breathing helps to interrupt the transmission of pain signals to your brain and this gives you something else to focus on like I said. It also works by releasing endorphins which are naturally, obviously endorphins endorphins are natural pain relieving hormones. It helps you reframe your thinking around labor so that you can actually see it as productive and positive and manageable. I think that's a big thing when you're doing a breathing technique is focusing on your breaths and and this is where meditation ties heavily into breathing work because as you're focusing on this breathing pattern that you've established you can focus on also telling your body how how your contractions are working for you how this is your body and your body cannot produce something that is too strong for you to handle and every contraction that is coming your way is produced by your body so your body can handle it because your body is making it if that makes sense so Breathing patterns are extremely important and of course there's not much evidence that looks at breathing techniques alone as reducing labor pain or you know increasing the successful rate of unmedicated birth. It is a little bit harder of a thing to study because it's hard to define almost like a lot of people could say oh yeah you used a breathing pattern but you know it, it's just hard to exactly set the framework in the the definition around I guess what actually qualifies as a breathing pattern but studies there are many studies that have looked at breathing techniques as a part of like a childbirth education course or part of a way that somebody coped throughout their labor Um, and those definitely have been found and proven to be very helpful so Again, another thing that you honestly could probably YouTube, breathing techniques during labor. Um, a lot of other like med- labor meditation or kind of like hypnobirthing, like I said, I use the Christian hypnobirthing app. Um, those apps and those soundtracks, I would guess you would call them because they're not songs, um, they incorporate the breathing techniques for you. So, you know, they are going to breathe you through however long the track is, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. It's going to walk you through your breaths. And that's also a really cool thing. Definitely have some downloaded. I'm sure you could find a ton of free on Spotify as well, but those can be great resources too. Other unmedicated pain relief options to touch on. And these ones are pretty, you know, self-explanatory and something that you're going to be doing naturally. A lot of this too, like when it comes to, and all birth is, is, you know, innate in a way, all birth is natural and beautiful. But when you're birthing unmedicated, your body does things that are just, you just can't, you're just like, what, what is even happening? Because your body just, it, it knows what to do as strange it is as that might sound to some people like your body really knows what to do your body our bodies have made babies and birth babies for I don't know millions of years and so your body really does know what to do so of of course other pain relief uh, relief options positioning and like I said this is a big thing that your body's going to do on its own like you're going to find different positions that feel the best for you you know some people like to squat some people hate to squat some people love to sit on the toilet some people cannot stand to sit on the toilet while they labor other people you know want to walk I've seen unmedicated women who are laboring unmedicated lay in a bed on their backs and they don't want to stand they don't want to do anything else because that's so uncomfortable to them laying on their back is what feels the best and so you know you will find the position that your body likes and it's going to change throughout your labor but changing your position frequently finding out where you're most comfortable is best not only is that a huge thing because it's also going to help baby rotate down into the pelvis the way it needs to be 
I do not recommend laying on your back throughout your whole unmedicated labor. It's definitely not going to facilitate the best rotation for your baby's head. Um, moving around, changing positions, trying everything is probably the best way to go. Another unmedicated pain relief option is going to be heat and cold. Of course, this kind of works a little bit honestly like the water therapy. It can just relax muscles, relax joints. It can distract you. It can alleviate pain, aches that you're feeling. So definitely, especially if you're planning on laboring at home for a while, have some ice packs, have some like little microwavable heat packs. I have a clay um, reusable heat pack that is actually really cool that I got off Amazon. Highly recommend. Um, Unmedicated pain relief options, birth classes, and education. It's probably should have been number one, but if you want to have an unmedicated birth, you can do it without a birth class. You can do it without educating yourself around it. I believe that, but knowledge reduces fear and that reduces pain. So at the end of the day, it is highly important, which if you're listening to this podcast, you're already doing the education part, but it really is important to just educate yourself. You know, you can't have too many tools in your toolbox when it comes to wanting an unmedicated birth because you don't know what's going to work for you. You know, I've never felt a contraction before in my life. So when I, besides a couple of Braxton Hicks, but when I start to labor and feel these contractions, I have no idea what's going to work for me. So that's why I kind of just got a bunch of stuff. Like I have a birthing ball. I have a birthing stool. I have a bathtub. It's tiny, but you know, I can make it work before I go to the hospital. Um, I have a TENS unit. Um, I have a heat pack. I have ice packs. I have tons of different positions already in my mind. I have a, um, rebozo like uh, band. You can even use a bed sheet. I don't even know how to use my rebozo still, but just to kind of like do things like shake in the tree and things like that. There are just, there's so much and you can never have too many tricks up your sleeve. Don't overwhelm yourself, but just definitely highly recommend educating yourself and taking a birth class if it's your first baby and you don't, you know, maybe don't want to hire a doula or whatever it may be, um, or even are hiring a doula, take a birth class. And lastly, real quick, we have yoga. That's definitely an unmedicated pain relief options. There is tons of yoga that you can just find on YouTube for while you're in labor and even obviously to prep for labor and before labor. Music, we kind of touched on that when we talked about like hypnosis and meditation, but music is a must for unmedicated pain relief. It's so distracting. It is so soothing. And for me, worship music will be blasting from the minute I feel one contraction to the minute my baby is out no matter how she comes out. So music is great and I highly recommend that you make a playlist. I'm too lazy to make a playlist. I'm so bad when it comes to music and culture and yeah, I just, not my thing. So I just saved a bunch of labor playlists. I saved on Spotify. On Spotify, I typed in labor playlists. I typed in like Christian labor playlists, faith-based labor playlists, all the things. And I just saved them all and downloaded them to my phone. So music. Um, acupuncture. I know we kind of talked about acupressure or more so just pressure. Um, acupuncture is going to be, you know, the little needles that go into certain pressure points around your body to alleviate pain. And obviously they can even induce labor with acupuncture, tons of different uses for it. But this is definitely something that people can do during labor. You obviously need to have an acupuncturist who is a trained professional come over to your house or you go to them to receive the acupuncture. Please do not try acupuncture on yourself. Same with chiropractics. That can be a great thing on honestly, to get adjusted during your labor or at least when your labor starts. Um, If you know a chiropractor who's willing and available at the time, definitely something to consider. Um, Essential oils and aromatherapy is really my last unmedicated pain relief option. Um, Essential oils are amazing. I did a whole podcast a few back on essential oil use during pregnancy and labor. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast all about essential oils. But 
another tool in my toolbox. I have so many essential oils, not so many. I probably have like five main ones and they all have different uses and you know, just changing up a smell in the room can do a lot for you. So highly recommend that you have some essential oils, even maybe some basic ones, get some lavender, some peppermint, lemon, you know, something just that has an uplifting bright smell. Buy an oil diffuser. They are very affordable off of Amazon. Um, and diffuse some oils. You know, the only thing I would say, stop them once you hit transition because you do not want baby to come out in a room full of essential oils. But otherwise, essential oils are great. And you guys, that is really all I'm going to touch on when it comes to unmedicated pain relief options. Like I said, I've obviously never had an unmedicated birth yet. I'm really hoping and praying to achieve that and just to do that this with this baby coming up. But, um, you know, I can't give my opinion or my two cents on any of this. I might have my birth and have it on medicated and come back and redo this podcast and be like, no, this worked, this didn't work. And I might find 10 new things that worked better than all of this. So this is more so what I could gather from research because that's what I had to do (laughs) from research that I found online. And then from just the research and my personal experience laboring women all the time, whether it be on medicated or with epidurals. So If you have other unmedicated pain relief options that worked really well for you during your birth, please, please send me a message over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Let me know what worked for you during your birth. I would love to just learn and expand my knowledge when it comes to pain relief options during an unmedicated birth. So thank you guys for listening to this episode as always, and we'll see you next Monday at 9 a.m. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.